0: Greetings from Bowling Green, Ohio. We are so excited to share with you the first ever episode of Stigma Busters, a podcast created to address all the stigma and misconceptions around mental health and addiction problems. I'm your host, Courtney Rice. Let's bust it. Welcome to Stigma Busters. Again, my name is Courtney Rice and I'll be your host for this podcast. But before we hear from our guests let me tell you a little bit about me i am the current manager of marketing and communications with nami wood county nami stands for national alliance on mental illness and as part of my position i'm also contracted to do marketing efforts for the wood county alcohol drug addiction and mental health services board aka ADAMS. i am also a proud graduate of bowling green state university and University of Toledo with my BA in psychology, and I also have my master's in social work. I'm also a licensed social worker and a huge mental health advocate. But enough about me. I wanna talk to you today about why we decided to do this podcast and what its goals are. We wanted to create this podcast as a way to continue spreading awareness on mental health and addiction issues. In case you didn't know, one in five individuals in the US come face-to-face with a mental health condition each year, And that includes the folks right here in Wood County. So on this show, we wanna talk to local therapists, social workers, counselors, and others to learn more about not only how you can get help in Wood County, but also we wanna bust some stigma. So in case you don't know what stigma means, I'll tell you according to the Google machine. Stigma is the disapproval of or discrimination against a person based on perceivable social characteristics that serve to distinguish them from other members of society. But unfortunately, this happens way too often with mental health and addiction. How many times have you ever heard that people are, quote, crazy or, quote, psychotic? How about people with mental illness are violent? Watch out for those people. They belong in the loony house. That talk stops here. We are going to bust stigma because after all, we are the stigma busters. Kind of like the Ghostbusters. I ain't afraid of no stigma. With all our talks and interviews, we are hoping to continue to spread awareness on mental illness, addiction disorders, and most importantly, we want to help you get the help that you need. We want to share a disclaimer for our audience. The content we share on Stigma Busters can bring up a variety of feelings and thoughts, and the Wood County Alcohol, Drug Addiction, and Mental Health Services Board is here to help you. If you want to connect with mental health and or addiction resources and treatment, you can dial 211 and you will be connected to services today. Sometimes folks may have thoughts of suicide or hurting ourselves or others. If you are experiencing these type of thoughts, please dial the Wood County Crisis Line. That number is 419-502-hope. So again, 419-502-4673 and you'll be connected to an experienced counselor right here in Wood County who will help you get help. You can also text 4HOPE, so the number 4HOPE, to the crisis text line, and that number is 741-741, and you'll be connected to a counselor within minutes. Always remember, help is here. This episode of Stigma Busters is brought to you by the Wood County Alcohol, Drug Addiction, and Mental Health Services Board. Or also known as Wood County Atomists. The Wood County Atavis Board's mission is to advocate, plan, develop, fund, manage, and evaluate community-based mental health and addiction prevention, treatment, and recovery services to improve the quality of life for the citizens of Wood County. To learn more, you can visit their website. That's www.wcadamh.org. let's go ahead and get started with our first ever interview on stigma busters. So today we have Deanna Stanton. She is the current executive director of the Wood County Atomus Board, but she has so much experience working in mental health and addiction recovery, especially here in Wood County. So let's go ahead and get started. So hi, Deanna.
1: Hi, Courtney. How are you today? Oh, I'm doing good. How
0: are you doing? Doing well. Good, good, good here. So let's go ahead and get this rolling. So you wanna tell me a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure, I came to Bowling Green to go to college. Before that, I grew up in Newark, Ohio, which is central. Kind of fell in love with the programming, fell in love with CRC. So I had gotten my bachelor's in psychology and I started working at CRC with the children. And it was amazing and difficult and hats off, hats off to CRC. It's not easy work, but it's it's a important work. And then I went and got my master's in rehabilitation counseling at the BGSU. And at that point, I started at my first job was at a program called the women's residential program it's now known as Devlac Hall that's in Bowling Green Ohio how long how much do you want me to say about my <laughs> <laughs>
0: well i kind of want to hear a little bit more what did you do when you're at CRC and also what mm. is CRC For those
1: who may not know. So Children's Resource Center, the position I held was called Behavioral Specialist. I'm not sure if that's the same title they have now because it was many years ago, but we worked with the children in extended day treatment and after school treatment for hours and hours and hours and got to take them to different places, different field trips, and just give them an opportunity to experience some new things.
0: Yeah, yeah. That sounds like really rewarding work, you know, working there and your other experiences as well. Seems like you've kind of had a little bit of everything in mental
1: health. Is that right? A lot in mental health, and yet it's all wrapped up in the Substance Use Disorder Services. My position at DevLock Hall was working with women in an inpatient setting with substance use disorders. But my passion was trauma and guess what? There was plenty of trauma to work on. So I was doing a lot of mental health work while we were working on substance use disorder because a person is one person. So you got to work on it all. I did that as a, I was there as a counselor and as a program coordinator for 12 years.
0: Yeah. Unfortunately, I feel like nowadays I always hear this different word, it's called trauma informed, feeling Mm -hmm. like, thing that's happening right now? A lot of people are talking about that. Is that something you worked with when you were there with trauma-informed or trauma-informed care?
1: Sure. Well, so trauma-informed care is a little different than actual like trauma work when you're working with an individual to help process and heal. Trauma-informed care is more about making sure people that aren't counselors are able to recognize when somebody is stressing out, you know, if you have a front desk person working at a mental health facility, they need to have more skills than, than most do as far as reading when somebody's overwhelmed, when somebody else needs to come in and help, recognizing also that the many of us that come into the field have our own trauma. So sometimes we're doing a group and it gets too hard, you know, and being able to work with someone who knows when you need to at least emotionally tap out and have them take over the group while you're while you're processing. So it's just recognizing that we're all human beings. Everybody has a story. Many many stories are worse than others, but you know, when you come to work, your trauma is still part of you and you have to to recognize everybody's.
0: Yeah, from what I've learned about trauma informed is that, you know, you have to kind of think about the whole person. You have to think about not necessarily uh, what's wrong with them, but what happened to them. That's usually what I usually hear um, when talking about that. So great. Yeah, Um, I love hearing about all your experiences and everything that you've done. It seems like you're just, you have so much knowledge and I think that's wonderful for being able to, you know, help in the Wood County community, especially. So I'm not sure if you had said this, but I want to hear a little more in detail. What made you want to get involved then in this field? Because you, as you were talking about, it can be pretty stressful and yes. time consuming and yeah, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's not a field for everyone. So what made you want to get involved? And I love
1: how everyone thinks, oh, you're a counselor. It must be really rewarding. I'm like, sometimes. Sometimes it can be really stressful. Be really Frustrating. Yeah. I went, I went through my own experience as a child. I was abused by an extended family member. So fortunately it wasn't in my home, but it was holidays, things like that. And I had a lot of my own difficulties. Got into counseling when I was a teenager, and you know, I'm not saying it was smooth sailing by far, but I learned a lot from that. Uh, my family's grown a lot from that, and just kind of knowing that the amount of pain that I was in when I was going through that was very, very significant. And um, it was at the age of 14, really really trying to figure out whether or not life was going to get any better mm-hmm. and if there was any point. And that's like a really deep place to be, a really sad place to be. And to know that because of the recovery that I've gone through, that I could help other people that have been in that kind of pain be released from it. And it doesn't ever go away, but there is a difference. There's that the healing that can come afterwards the post-traumatic growth that they talk about and just really wanting to bridge that gap to people and help help them get to that side of recovery so that people can be the best version of themselves
0: yeah yeah that's wonderful thank you so much for sharing that with us too i know a lot of people who i've talked to with who maybe work as like a counselor or social worker a lot of times what at least they taught us in grad school was it's helpful to have your own counseling, you know, if oh. you're to be a counselor or a social worker. So absolutely.
1: <laughs> absolutely. And I'll tell you, when I was in graduate school, and they suggested everybody go to counseling, anybody that fought it, I said, I'm not sure you should be here. Like, why would you want to learn how to be a counselor if you think it's beneath you? Counseling is beneath you. Yeah. Head? It's right just, you yeah. know it, and that is um it's a really important part of working in the field because that's part of your self care and balance and recognizing how you're growing and whether or not you're taking your issues out on somebody because that can happen if you haven't healed right yeah that's yeah.
0: very true yeah and i think as much you know we're kind of in the field and we're always like yeah go to counseling get the mental health help that you need talk to a professional but unfortunately you know and kind of what we talk about on this podcast is there's a lot of stigma around mental health. Mm-hmm. And there's especially, you know, with addiction and those mm-hmm. who may be in recovery. So
1: um can
0: you tell well, me about
1: your- I'm proud to say I go once a month. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I go once a month. It's you know, it's like a little oil change or something, you know, between work and and stress and all of and family it's good to just have once a month that you can sit down and in my case, sit down and have someone not say, but, uh, (laughs) but also to just be like, Oh, someone's here for me so that I can just spill. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's great just, yeah, for venting, being able to, you know, process anything and, you know, even if someone isn't experiencing anything that could be, you know, really bad, you know, in their eyes or something that's super traumatic, you know, just being able to process like, hey, I had this really weird, you know, interaction with my friend today. Can I just talk about this? Like, sometimes it's just so therapeutic for lack of better (laughs) And if you're gonna do yep. something therapeutic, you might as well see a therapist. Might as well see a
1: therapist,
0: <laughs> right? Yeah. So, have you ever had any experiences with someone like stigmatizing? Uh, you know, you're very something. You're very open about your experiences with uh, your mental health recovery and going to counseling. Obviously, we're both very open about that. But <laughs> like I said before, there's a lot of stigma around that. And have you ever had any? backlash surrounding that or anyone, any pushback, I guess, if you will, for anyone who you're trying to advocate
1: for or
0: just doesn't really understand, you know, So
1: I, 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 the reason I can't answer is I'm just like so many times, so many times, probably where I would have seen it a lot in my position. Was doing when doing emergency services, doing crisis intervention with people in the community, and with police and doctors and family members, and you know, even the family member that's worried about the person, you know, are saying things like "she's just crazy." I'm like, you, you can't say that. <laughs> that's not helpful, you know. So trying to trying to, I don't know. I feel like my whole career has been about about that. I I really try to, to tell people. One of the neat things I learned when I worked at CRC is. I met the children and then later I learned what their diagnoses were. And that was so important to me because that is true for everything. When we're looking at stats and we're saying how many people are depressed or how many people are anxious, it's not just a human being that's depressed. It's an entire human being that their life and everybody else's life around them is not what it could be because this depression is taking over. It's not a cold virus, it's not, you know, it's like it's part of them, but it's only part of them. And it's really about finding the way for people to express their joy and find happiness. And it's a hard thing to do when, you know, when someone's depressed and then when other people are blaming them for it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, as someone who has lived with depression before, I can definitely attest to that, that, you know, it's it's difficult to get yourself out of that rut and go and get the treatment, especially when people are just making, you know unkind comments and you know making remarks like you're fine get over it you know it's a lot of people just like make light of mental illness and as much as you know i'm an advocate and i want to talk about mental health it is important i feel like a lot of times people you know if you have cancer for example you get all this help and camaraderie and everyone's gonna come together and really help you but if you know, someone just got out of the psych ward it's kind of like oh i don't know like yeah. what do i say to you i don't know how mm-hmm walking on eggshells. It's really wow. uncomfortable. So, you have some good things to
1: say? Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's certainly not, you know, get over it or you need to, or, you know, things like that. When people say stuff like that, they are trying to comfort the individual, but they're also trying to comfort themselves. You know, and the message that the person receives is, I'm uncomfortable with your pain. So, so stop talking about it. That's one message they might receive and then they stop. And the other message could be that maybe they're not, their pain isn't heard. So what they hear is your pain isn't that bad. And so then they'll amp it up like, no, it really is. And so it's not it's it's not what anybody in this scenario wants, is people battling over who's upset or who's not, or people shutting down. I typically, when I'm with someone who's going through a really, really hard time, I avoid saying things like, it's going to be okay. Because let's say you came across a car accident. You don't tell somebody it's going to be okay. You don't know if it's going to be okay. If you want them to trust your word, be honest with them. And so I say things like, I'm here for you. You know, I'm not telling you whether it's going to be okay or not, but I'm here with you. We're going to go through it together. Also, how can I help? How can I help? I mean, sometimes people don't wanna talk about everything. Maybe you've gone to see a friend who's there because they're in the hospital and, and somebody else is in a tragedy and they're just stressed out. And you're like, how can I help? And they're like, if you can find me a pack of gum, that would be amazing. Sometimes it's just the smallest things and you can't guess it. We want to guess it. We want to be the perfect caretaker and just guess what some pe- people need, but asking them how you can help. And then also just that I'm there for you. Don't try to silver lining people when going through the hard time. You have to wait till their depression has healed and lifted enough for them to find the silver lining. It's very annoying when you're upset
0: <laughs>
1: for people to find the silver lining. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That is wonderful advice. I think a lot of times people are in these situations, like I said, and they're not sure how to act. And I totally agree. I think they're just like feeling uncomfortable and they don't know how to respond appropriately. Cause I feel like as a whole, you know, society, if you will, we don't really talk about mental health and how to address when someone's in a crisis situation. You right. know, as you know, you and I have went to school and we know how to do that from like right. clinical hats on, but as just a person in the community, you don't always talk about that. Mm -hmm. how to help people who may be struggling. And I know too, you know, there's a lot of people who may live in Wood County who may not know how to go about getting mental health services or aren't really sure what the next step is. So, you know, if you could make one just kind of blanket statement just to encourage folks in our community that mental health care is necessary, what would you say?
1: Oh, I'm going to need a day to come up with a blanket statement for me.
0: (laughs) Sorry, I really put you on the spot there,
1: but... I will say definitely in these times of COVID, people are going to be experiencing more depression and anxiety than they've ever felt before. Trauma from the past is going to come. It's not is going to. It is. It's coming up. The uses of alcohol has gone up significantly. People needing help for alcohol has gone up significantly. And even though we're still in this very disjointed world with not being able to be in person as often, just remember you can do telemed. You can have very private counseling in your home. If you can find a space private enough for that, it might be the bathroom, but you can seek services without having to worry about anybody seeing you or the stigma that goes with that. Meanwhile, Courtney and I are going to continue to bust the, the stigma so that no one feels weird about going in. But also with kids being at home and stuff, it's very hard for parents to, to, to leave and, and get their, their counseling. So wow. telemed is a, a wonderful tool right now. Yes. And, hopefully, and hopefully ongoing.
0: <laughs> yes. I was just about to say, I hope telemedicine stays after this. Yeah. I think it was a great resource that was kind of before COVID, but now That's it's right. really blooming. And yeah, I hope it's here to stay. It's honestly very convenient for me too. You know, I can talk on my way home from work and right. you know, on the phone, or I can do a video chat. And it's just, it's very convenient being able to do that. And I did yeah. hear also that telemedicine, um, the rates for people going to their appointments has went up yeah Uh, because they're able to so easily
1: now they don't have to worry about uh, you know getting a car or a ride or child care even though it is a little hard to have your counseling session when the kids are in the next room but (laughs) in the car
0: (laughs) yes i can imagine that you know i don't have kids myself but you know the dog comes in and i'm just like please please dog i don't have time to pet you
1: i need to take care of it your puppy Wants to do therapy with you. That's honestly
0: though, she would be a great (laughs) therapy dog. I'm just saying. (laughs) All right, so I just have one last question for you. So, Mm -hmm. if you knew someone who was struggling with mental health or addiction, how would you talk to them as a friend? Because you know we Mm -hmm. wear those clinician hats at times, but. We talked about how, you know, if you're in the community and you don't have that background, you're talking to them just as your friend or just as a peer. So how would you talk to them about that?
1: I might say to them, you know, I noticed things have changed and whatever that is, you know, you're drinking more or whatever. And, you know, and I know it's a really hard time right now. And is there anything I can do to help? You know, if you want to know about resources, I can can help get you to that. If you just want to talk for a while, we can do that too. Because people need to feel safe, not like the help's being shoved down their throat. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I
0: feel like an important part, kind of what you said was meeting them where they are.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You can't, like you said, just shove help down their throat. No, no.
0: Some people may not be ready and some people may need some more time.
1: They need to know that there's a person in their life that's patient enough to be there for them when they're ready. Right. Right. And, you know, and I know I'm not saying Broad strokes as far as like, you know, if someone's working with addictions and things like that, you know, sometimes you have to set boundaries for yourself too, but you can set boundaries and also be like, but I'm still here for you as soon as you're ready for help.
0: Well, that is wonderful advice, and I hope that everyone who was listening to this wonderful interview and get some good information. So again, we had uh, Deanna Stanton, who is the current executive director of the Wood County Adams Board on today. We're so happy you came to share your experiences. Again, some wise words from Deanna.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much, Courtney.
0: Stigma Busters is written and hosted by Courtney Rice and recorded and produced by Kaylee Mullman. Music is composed by Ben Damon. Stigma Busters is funded by the Wood County Alcohol, Drug Addiction and Mental Health Services Board. Thank you. Stigma Busters is available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe today.